Well, of course, that music means that it's time to get this podcast rolling, and we got tons of stuff to do. Jason Pridmore, there was a ton of racing going on over the weekend. Oh, my gosh. There's so much happening, and, you know, we're a little late again this week just because of our schedules. Our schedules are so gnarly right now. We've got a lot going on, and... uh, and we had some technical issues of trying to get the recording going. We have had going. some technical issues. We've been trying to do this for a day and a half, but we've had some technical issues. And uh, but we're, we've we think we're doing it a different way than we've ever done it, aren't we? So, yeah, our audio is actually on Zoom this time, and we have video, but we're not showing it to anybody. But here's the thing, Jay. This thing who not wants to look at us? And no one. And this is the thing. <laughs> it's not going to post though until like we're recording this. It's already ten thirty at night Thursday. So bikes Your are time, on. Yeah, yep. yeah. Bikes are on track by the time this thing even posts. So. We're not going to make any comments on what's what's happening actually this weekend because we actually don't know. But hopefully people tuned in and listened, even though it's kind of old information already because World Superbike and MotoGP coming up this weekend. But, Jay, did you know that this one is presented by Arai? And for three generations, Arai's been making some of the world's best helmets. And, of course, Arai helmets meet all safety standards, but they also pride themselves in a blend of engineering tech and human craftsmanship that makes an Arai helmet fit better and feel better, which also protects you better. Your head is worth the very best. Go visit AraiAmericas.com for more information on technical stuff, how you fit the helmet to your noodle, paint jobs. AraiAmericas.com because you owe it to you. So there you go. And let me yeah. tell you something, buddy. That Arai helmet did not let me down when I was ripping around the racetrack on the Ducati Multistrada V4S. What was that like? Was that strange being on the track by yourself? Like, especially after, you know, all the action has been going on all day and everything. I went up to the booth because we usually have a five o'clock meeting and I went up there and it was like 445 and no sign of you. And you're always up there early. <laughs> and there was like no sign of you. And I'm and I, and I literally was, I forget who I was with. And I'm like, has anybody seen Greg? Like, where's he at? And then I see you on camera rolling out of pit lane. I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of weird because. I know that most of the paddock were busy. I knew that no one really knew. And you know how it is. When you're in the paddock, no one really turns around and looks at the racetrack generally. Uh, there were still fans, though, that were there. And and I could see some people going to the fences and like kind of looking like, like what's why, this clown doing? Yeah, why is there an yeah. ADB bike you know, ripping around? Because believe me, some people probably thought in their mind, oh, great, track's open. I can go get on my bike and no go kidding. rip around. Yeah, like a fan life. Yeah, yeah, but it was one of those things where I thought about it in the morning and uh, I was like, you know what? I I mean, if I have the opportunity. So I went to our executive producer, Larry, and I asked him about it. And he said, yeah, I mean, I have no problem because Roger Hayden goes out Friday after everything's done. So the, the course cameras are still active. And yeah. then I was like, look, when he gets halfway around his last lap, I'll go out and I'll do one complete lap, which which basically is almost three laps, right? Because yeah, you have you your out lap. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So so it was really cool to get a lap. We're going to try to do it more like at all the racetracks. I think Laguna might be a problem, but we'll have to see how resources are. I mean, it's a matter of keeping the corner workers out there, keeping people on camera, you know, when they're ready to have their day over. So, you know, in Road, Road America, that's a long track, Jay. So you know, you're, it may not sound like much, but six or seven minutes is a long time when everybody's ready to get out of there. You know, it's yeah. like, well, especially the camera guys, they've been out there all day and all Oh yeah. Can you imagine? It's like if you're retail and it's like you're closed at six o'clock and at five fifty nine somebody comes in and orders nine sandwiches and you're like, Correct. Oh, you gotta be kidding. Yeah, me, but right? you could probably do it during the two up stuff too. Like at lunch or something like that. If you had to, you could, you could figure out a way to slide it in there. And I used to always think that like when I used to do the two up rides at lunch for the guard, I used to, 
I didn't care if there was somebody else out on track. I, it just didn't even bother me. Everybody knows we're going the same direction. So well, normally with, with cool. two up though, we our, our cameras are down. So that was the whole thing. Oh, the first good cameras. point. Yeah, yeah. Good so point. so that's what we're trying to schedule around. But we'll see what happens at Road America. It, it it was a nice treat, and you know I, I mean I'd ripped around some back roads, Jay. But you know on the racetrack with a 19 inch front wheel is was different. I mean it's not that dramatic and everything. But I think the biggest thing for me was that I was in ADV gear and not leathers. That yeah, was no, it with no knee right. pucks. It, no it knee felt kind of sketchy and all that. You know, was, I had no problem doing it on the street, but apparently, you know, I was like, wow. And that was just a thing. But hey, listen, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't subscribed to us for whatever, you know, uh, service that you listen to us from, please do that. That's awesome. Um, if you're interested in supporting the channel, uh, because there is cost associated with this and Jason and I do this for free, you can go to patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. There'll be a link uh, in the description of this podcast. So this week, we're going to break down what we saw at Moto America round two from VIR. World Superbike started totally entertaining and highly stressful at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no oh doubt. Oh, my God. And uh, with the Greg's Ride of the Races presented by Hudson Valley Motorcycles, I've posted some videos, including that full lap around the track. So you can go check it out. Um, Greg's Garage TV on YouTube. Greg's Garage TV. Not Greg's Garage. That's somebody else who's much more popular than I am. But uh, go check that out. and You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. So. I love it. No, it was good. And you know, Greg, just kicking it off. I mean, when you looked at VIR going in there, we did we weren't there in 2020, obviously. And you know, for me, going there was it was like a clean slate because most there was a lot of riders that had never been there before. Um, even in 600s, there were some guys that had never been there. Some of our younger con, uh, competitors and things. So it was kind of an exciting weekend for me to see how everybody was going to adapt. Thank goodness we had absolutely perfect weather. I mean, it, yeah, it was a little bit warm um, and all that stuff, but. But, and you know, our corner workers and our staff at Moto America and all those people, they had to, they had to deal with the heat a little bit. You and I were luckily enough in an air conditioned room, but saying all that. <laughs> yeah, we were, we, dude. Yeah. I felt, I felt bad. I saw Danelle and she's like, oh my gosh, it's so hot. And I walked outside. I'm like, it's, it's bad out there. You should come up here with us, you know? Anyways. Well, um, actually we were saying like, <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful day at the racetrack. Yeah. And some of the people who worked at VIR had complained like, why don't you guys go outside and see what kind of day it is? Yeah. So like before the Superbike race, I was like, it's a sweltering hot day out there. I know. It, yeah, crazy. It was, it was, it was nice. 69 in the booth. It was nice. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, it was, in the, it was the mid to high 60s <laughs> in the booth, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, um, yeah, no. Anyways, the thing was is that, man, I'm so pumped about the racing this year um, in Moto America because when we rolled out of Atlanta, we had we – had, one guy repeat all weekend and that was sdk sean dylan kelly in 600 we had different winners in all the other classes and and when we left there and uh, you know we kind of heard the murmurs i even talked to gagne on monday morning in the airport in atlanta and i was lucky enough to talk to cam peterson as well monday morning in the airport in atlanta and i, I could see what you saw with jake i could just see this like totally mm. like almost rejuvenated happy with his life he's in a good spot but he has slowly made me start to think and i'm not giving it in just yet please understand but boy the first two rounds sure do make me feel like cambobie is still in our pits and jake gagne has picked up right where his ex-teammate left off and you know there was nothing that left me leaving vir thinking that it's really really close at the moment he goes ahead greg and he wins both races does the double first double of his career three on the trot now he he goes out and wins the first race the first day by 11.8 seconds over Matthew Skultz and Heron, excuse me, Heron, Baz is fourth, Cam Peterson fifth. 
Barbara, Hector Barbara rode really well on the weekend. Hector Barbara, he, he ended up six on the BMW. Kyle Wyman, you rebate Jake Lewis. Travis Wyman was your top 10 guys in race number one. You know, race one for me was really just a story about these guys were trying to chase down one guy. Skultzy kind of went with them at the beginning. There was a gigantic battle between Heron and Baz and Peterson uh, for that, for that runner up spot in third, uh, a battle which saw uh, Barbara drop off at the end. Um, actually, he, he was it that race that he ran off the track? It was the, is it the, uh, no, it was the second race. It was the second, prime. second race. So, so this one here, he showed some promise. Um, did, did Barbara on the BMW, but the, those other three guys, Heron, Baz, and Peterson were just beating on each other. Um, Bobby Fong was originally part of that, if you remember, Greg, and then he, he had a problem with the bike and he was a little bit worried about the thing kind of stopping, going into corners, kind of locking up and he fell back. He ends up finishing 12th. So kind of a weird season for Bobby Fong so far, but Gagne out front left nothing to the imagination. Goes off and wins by 11, 11.8 seconds. I believe he told you before race two, and we even heard him in pre-race that he was trying to find more grip on that bike to make it a little easier for him. And boy, they must've done that because in the second race, he wins by almost a full 14 seconds over Loris Baz. Now, Skultzy ends up third in this one. Heron, Bobby Fong, Wyman, Cam Peterson seventh. I think you got to talk a little bit about, and I don't really get to figure out everything, but Baz, Skultz, and Peterson got together in turn one, didn't they? Uh, yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot. So yeah. uh, from what I was told, I didn't see it, but the contact in race two was big enough that it, it punched a hole in Cam Peterson's leathers. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's really weird because if you watch the video and I have only seen it once, I've got it at home here. I got to look at it, but cam is all backed in going in there. Like, like he's trying to get the thing slowed. And we'd heard him say that he's got to not give up so much at the beginning of the race. And he was all backed in. And then next thing you know, he tried to keep it on the track, but he just, he literally just had to stand it up and go in the dirt. And he started dead last. Mm -hmm. And then marched his way all the way up to seventh in race too. I mean, yeah, I, it, it's a weird situation. Uh, those two are banging, you know, banging bars. Uh, Baz isn't scared, and I love that. Peterson's not scared. But Matthew scared. was involved in that, too. Skultz was involved. Well, in that. And that one, yeah. But I'm talking yeah. about, like, the, the big deal was, is and, and I think we're going to talk more about this at Road America. I think we're putting a package together. But in race one, Baz and Peterson hit each other so much that it activated Cam Peterson's suit twice, the airbag, twice. Wow while he was racing. And so um, there's going to be some reports given on, on how that technology works, how long it lasts when the suits inflated, but dude, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like two minutes before that suit deflates. I mean, if you think about it, the bladders have to hold the air to protect the rider, but they also have to have a little bit of ability to leak air out. And with Cam Peterson's airbag system, which is actually not um, a tech air or a D air, uh, it's actually a different company. There's two charges in there. And Cam Peterson said that he got hit at least a third time, if not a fourth time, that he felt would have activated his suit, but he was out of charges. And yeah. so that's really banging on each other. And and But they're not falling down. So I'm not really sure. You know, I know that, um, that the team went up to race control after race one and said some things uh, because I saw him up there. I don't know what was said, but, you know, I, I kind of put two and two together. So it's a bit of a leap of faith, but I saw, you know, the team representatives up there for Cam Peterson. So it's one of those situations where we have a rivalry brewing, I think, you know, between Baz mm -hmm. and Cam Peterson, and neither one of those guys are going to back down. So I just hope it doesn't end in tears. 
well, that we can just kind of throttle it back a, just a little bit. Well, look, we want good tight racing. And right now at the front, everybody's, hey, there's something that's been relinquished this year that's now racing over and, you know, Cam's over now racing a Moto2. So these guys all want a piece of that pie. And Baz, I mean, if, I mean, honestly, Greg, if I was to tell you that it would take till race two at VIR, four races in till Baz put that Ducati on the podium, you would have thought I was nuts. I mean, I would have never said that. That's just the way racing is. That's way, that's why we got to complete all these laps. And Baz, you know, those guys just got close. And look, turn one at uh, VIR is extremely tight. You're coming from a high speed straightaway. Um, and it's very easy to, to run out of room down there. Even riding it on Monday, I was like, man, I kind of forgot how tight it is into here and how easy it is to just kind of run wide. You know, I saw you run wide, I think, even in the video, which was funny because it just it kind of draws you in there. Mm-hmm. So, and actually, <clears throat> the last crash that I had on a road race bike, knock on wood, I was doing an endurance race on a Ducati with uh, Mark Crozier and I were doing it. And it was um, when Bobby Fong was racing the middleweight Ducatis. And right. I just kept in the endurance race, as you know, Jay, endurance is just the best. And so I keep going into one and I'm comfortable and I'm trail breaking and, you know, we're on Dunlops and I'm really, and I just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into that corner because that's what you need. Practice, practice, practice. And then lo and behold, man, I mean, I just got in there and hit a bump and I tucked the front, which, you know, I don't, I'm not a big crasher very often. So, and it was endurance though. So I like. I forgot about the endurance rules. At the, but, yeah, like, well, at the, at the speed you were going real quickly, at the speed you were going, did you actually make it off the track? Yeah, I made it off the track. Did you? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But what I didn't do was, <laughs> it was endurance. So I totally forgotten about it, right? And it's Weira, and I remember the Weira rules. So I'm tiptoeing around, you know, trying to stay off the line, trying to get back to the pits because you're supposed to retech. And uh, I come down pit lane and they're like, what are you doing? I'm yeah. like, what? It's like, it's an endurance race. Pick it up. Get back here. Yeah. You know, like, like, is there anything wrong with the bike? I'm like, not really. But yeah. we ended yeah. up, we ended up finishing third in class. So, <clears throat> or third overall or something. But yeah, anyway, turn one's tricky. Turn one is tricky. There you <laughs> go. You guys, point. I got That's Greg White to tell a race story again. Which... When you haven't heard, actually. I don't yeah, think. I haven't heard that one. No, no, I haven't. Um, mm-hmm. Gagne ends up winning over Baz. Skultzy does a tremendous job chipping away back in and really with another lap or two probably would have got second. He had a lot of pace. Hiron finishes fourth, Bobby Fong fifth. Um, another, just, it's just kind of strange. Bobby's going to find his groove. In fact, talk about that in a second too. Kyle Wyman, it was really good to see Kyle battling with all these guys at the front. He got a great start when all that little craziness went down in turn one at the beginning of the race, Gagne had gotten way out in front and, uh, and the beneficiary of all that was Kyle Wyman. He was second and battled for that position for the majority um, and when you, when you look at it, um, he ends up finishing a little bit behind those guys towards the end camp Peterson ends up seventh and he was, he was coming fast from the back, Greg. I mean, he was, his final lap of the race was, I forget what it was. It was like 25, three, uh, his final lap. That, Hector I Barbara, think that's right. Yep. Hector Barbara was right there too. He was actually battling for that second position, trying to go by Heron early, like about halfway in the race. He ended up picking the bike up, running straight off in turn one, got it back on. He ends up eighth. I talked a little bit to Steve Scheibe on Monday. He hadn't seen the video yet, but he was extremely excited about the idea that Barbara was where he was when that happened. Corey well, Alexander ends up hold on. I don't mean to jump you, but Hector yeah, Barbara, Jason, did the yep. third fastest lap of the race. Crazy. So you're right. You had Gagne at a 24-0. You yep. had Baz at a 24-3, which I'm willing to bet he did late. Um, you know, or I'll, he, When he got into second place is probably when yeah, he did yep, it. Yep, yep. 
But you have Skultz, Heron, and Bobby Fong that all did 24 nines. Kyle Wyman was only two, two and a half ticks behind them Just there, at a 25-2. Yeah. But then you get to Hector Barbara, a 24-5. I mean, that is, that's showing vast improvement. And as our, our great pit reporters have said, you know, Hector Barbara is like, it's not the bike. The bike's fine. It's me. I'm working on me. And, um, you know, so to go from 25-3 in race number one to 24-5, he almost, he knocked off eight-tenths of a second in fastest lap of the race. Incredible. Very impressive. Really. Yeah, really good. And there was a big jump on Sunday morning warm-up, wasn't there? Because he was up there in Sunday morning warm-up. I believe he was third. So it was really good to see. But, you know, when, when I look down this list of guys, and, you know, now we've seen Baz up there. We've seen Skultzy up there. We've seen Heron up there. We've seen Gagne up there. Fong has also been another guy that's been on the podium, finishing second, I believe, in leg, race number one in Atlanta. Fong has had a weird season so far. Like, just kind of, like, weird stuff. Jump start in the race two, and then bike doing some weird stuff um it sounded like on on uh the first day at vir that they they you know went through second day he has to start from 12th because of the grid order and how they're doing that now with where you finish the day prior he starts 12th um kind of got in that battle with all those guys and and just couldn't get himself to get that little bit more forward i mean at the end of it he was what one 1.3 seconds off the podium from skultz yeah, and, and Heron. The thing about Heron, he always puts up a fight. That's what I do like about Josh. He like, you know, no matter where he's at on the track, whoever he's fighting with, you, you, it's not like you just pass him and you get a freebie when you go by him. He's always going to fight. Um, but there's just something telling me that when Cam gets this figured out, Cameron Peterson, I'm talking about, when he gets this sorted, because uh, he's just had like a little bit of bad luck too. Both the M4 guys at VIR kind of deserve better than where they finished. I think. Well, I mean, the thing to keep in mind, M4 had no testing other than Coda, yes, right? Totally. And, and the other teams did in terms of the teams in front of them. So I can't help but think that these are, you know, some kind of season opening teething issues. Yeah, totally. I agree. They're, they're, the Suzuki's can be fast on the top end. I mean, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, they were the fastest. And I know Yamaha's made improvement. I know Stan Bowley's made a big, a big improvement. When I say a big improvement, I'm talking about a couple horsepower here and yep. there. But, you know, it's a matter of, I think, more electronics development than anything else about mechanical grip mixed with electronics to increase that top speed at Road America. I'm kind of hopeful that Road America is not an extremely complicated racetrack in terms of, you know, getting electronics dialed in. It's relatively straightforward. And what I mean by that, Jason, is it's like, you know, you just kind of go from straight up and down to kind of full lean angle back to straight up and down. You know, yeah. there's nothing like, you know, too, too tricky. It's, it's a difficult one to set up because you have, what do you, you go from what, 200 miles an hour, almost 200, 196 miles an hour in six gear down a hill into turn five. And you go through what, four gears into second, yeah. you're going like 60 mile an hour or yeah, something like that. A lot of hard breaking at that track. Obviously when we get to road America, it's going to be good. The thing I think that you said though, about, M4 is so right. Cause you remember the first race of the year last year, there was like, you know, COVID was rampant and we were going to go to road America. It was our first race of the year. And M4 just took over the Suzuki deal from Yosh. And it was like this big, and they kind of went there and, you know, they didn't really have a lot of time. Do you remember what they did like two weeks later when they went back? It, it was like the improvement was so insanely mm -hmm. big. And Bobby, I think ended up winning there. Um, and when you look at it, you just sit there and you think that like, for me, um, like it's it's M4. Those guys will have this thing sorted, and I bet by the time they get to Road America, they've got some stuff that they can go on from last year, 
And you got to expect, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm hopeful in saying that I think that there could be four five, six of these guys at the front on three or four different brands, but Ganya looks so good right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all kind of plays out here in a couple of what, two weeks we go to road America, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but really, really good racing. Now where the racing has been really good all the time uh, this year has been in 600 super sport and, you know, where you and I are always on the telecast, who's going to step up You're and so race old. one. You are so old. What? What'd I say? 600 super sport. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, I know. Su- super sport. All right. Is that good? I mean, it technically it's open for some other bikes, but we don't it have any. Is. I mean, super 636. In yeah, yeah. super sport. Is that so better? old? In yeah. super sport. All right. SDK proved to be the guy in Atlanta. Like he just stepped up. Yep. Went out and smoked everybody. Uh, really both races. He, he had a couple little early battles, but it was just too consistent, too good. Ran away with everything. Then we come to find out that he got sick after that. Wasn't really able to train. Wasn't really able to feel like himself. Goes over to the race one at VIR and just really dominated it. I mean, there's no other word that you can use. Was he the fastest guy on the racetrack? Not in race one. Mm-mm. That went to Stefano Mesa, who only, only got beat by one second did Mesa over SDK. Um, and when we think about it, it's like been the Escalante SDK show. Well, Stefano Mesa and Benjamin Smith showed at VIR that they can also run up front. Benjamin Smith gets his first podium, one that's been long overdue. He ends up third, Escalante fourth, Rocco Landers fifth. Charged early, didn't he, Greg? Did Rocco? He got a shitty start again mm-hmm. and, and charges his way. We could see him coming. And um, looking at his lap times, 28 2. So when you look at it, Rocco goes 28 2. Sean Dylan Kelly's quickest lap was a 28-1. So we know that Rocco can run the pace, but we, we kind of found out, I think it was he had an as he's got asthma, right? And he had trouble breathing about halfway through that race. Correct. But we found out. So, uh, and by the way, Rocco was pounding out laps Monday as well. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, after a busy weekend. So kid doesn't stop, nor does Stoney. Six with great return. I didn't get to see Anthony Maziato. Did you get to see him at all? Uh, see him personally yeah i didn't get to say hi or see him but yeah i know i saw him yeah i saw him a couple times that's cool he was on the barcon racing subbing for dominic doyle he ends up six gabriel da silva good to see him gp racing ends up seventh Lockoff, who i thought was a great weekend for him he ended up running off the track late in this race in fifth place but he ends up eighth uh jared nasani and carl Soltis ends up top 10 um Day two, though, Greg, was kind of a different story. You know, we'd found out that Escalante had broke his collarbone, what, on a bicycle? Correct. Two weeks, yeah. like, yeah, and got a plated seven screws, left collarbone. And there was nothing stopping him on the second day. And I know, speaking from experience, that when you come into a weekend a little bit dinged up, you're always wondering on Friday how things are going to go. And then generally, as the weekend goes, you feel better because you start to understand what to expect when you're actually sitting on the motorcycle itself. And Escalante, the second day, he goes 27-1. Put that perspective again. Race lap from the day before, best was 27-9. So he goes 27-1. SDK actually went quicker than he had gone to. He goes 27-6. And for the second day in a row, Stefano Mesa finds himself on the podium in third. Um, Rocco Landers, Lockoff, De Silva, Maziato's seventh. Soltis jumped up a couple spots. Liam Grant, good to see him doing well in the top 10 in his inaugural year in the Supersport class. And Jarrett Nassani ends up 10th. So two top 10s for Jarrett. So, I mean, Greg, when you take things away, didn't you feel like Escalante almost had to have that race the second day to stop the momentum? Yeah, I believe. Yeah, totally. And 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 it was just like, he you, you could see it wearing on his face when you're around him because he's pretty cool, calm and collected guy. 
yeah. kind of a quiet guy, but he is his focus is 100% racing, and he really wants to win. Which, Jay, if you think back to Escalante, we, we were around him for years, and the guy would maybe dip his toe on a podium, but it was really like last year was really the surge, right? Like he goes yeah. from Yamaha to Kawasaki. Now it's like I expect to win every time I throw a leg over the bike. So, look, you know, SDK had COVID after Road Atlanta. They did all the right things. He tested negative. There was like, they followed all the CDC protocols, everything else. Uh, you know, a couple weeks after he's negative, he goes to the races, but he wins with a total race time of 28 minutes and seven seconds with what you you said, a mm-hmm. 28 one is a fast lap. SDK in second went six seconds faster than he did in race one and finished second where Escalante yep. ends up going like what Jason three seven 14 seconds total race time that's a lot that's a lot you know normally we see a variation of maybe one or two three seconds in race time from day to day given that they start the same time conditions are are similar but here's the thing in race one only one rider dipped into the 27s and that was stefano mesa yeah In in race two we had the top five were all in the 27s and benjamin smith who had an early exit was also in the 27s so you know, it's you look at that and you go, man. Even Sam Lockoff, you know, did a little faster, fastest lap of the race yeah. than Rocco Landers did. But it's like, if Richie Escalante doesn't do this, if this was just kind of like, okay, we're got, starting to get some things sorted out, then we legitimately, in my point of view, if we can get you know Landers and Lockoff to figure out how to do those times more consistently over a course of a race if we get Rocco a better start those types of things yeah you're looking at Escalante SDK the arrival of Benjamin Smith Mesa if he's going to make them all Landers and Lockoff that's a deep just those guys is a deep field let alone who else is going to show up correct no you're I mean I couldn't have worded everything better than that I mean to me the surprise of the weekend was Lockoff I thought he did tremendous for his first time they get uh, maybe it been his first time at VIR. I can't remember if he was there in 2019. I don't. He was there in 19 on a 400. Yeah, correct. And then he was racing 400s again last year. Correct. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he had been there, but I know he'd not been there on the 600. And you know he's done a really nice job of adapting and getting up to speed on that bike. And but you're right. Now the thing is, is the difference in the championship is really that Benjamin Smith and Mesa jammed themselves in between those two guys uh, in race one. And that is really the difference in the championship now. And it wouldn't, when you look at road America and you look at Escalante went and did the double there last year, I don't think it's going to be as easy this year. He's going to have some company, but I also do remember how fast he was last year and how he was able to, I think, I think he broke away a little bit in the second race, even after the first day SDK had some trouble. So in, you know, in super sport this year, it looks strong. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be a good season, I think all the way to the end in that one. And uh, I feel that, there could be more than just those two guys, you know, obviously battling at the front of it. So I think uh, if, I think if they can figure out some speed, because it looked like Benjamin Smith's bike was down just a little bit on speed. It It did to me. Now that could be a host of factors. It it literally could be a gearing choice that they made or, you know, you know, that type of stuff. But the telltale sign is going to be what happens at road America, because if, if they can get a bike, that's going to be competitive. I have no doubt that the arrival of Benjamin Smith, he can ride just as fast as those two guys can. It's just a matter of him now getting comfortable up front and then making it to the end of the race. I think he's comfortable. I Ben, to me right now, like the first race on at VIR was the best I've ever seen him look. Like yep. 
if you look at the amount of mistakes he made, he didn't really make any. Um, and, and it was like, he just wrote solid. Like it felt like it, I, you know, I'm sure he would tell us differently, but it looked like it was easy for him to kind of be with those guys and stay there. But it's weird because even in the telecast, I never want to say that a rider's bike looks slow because I always feel like I'm going to damage the egos or the, or, or how their crew feel about, or whoever their engine builder is. I don't want them to feel like, but, but it just didn't look like his bike kind of quite had what everybody else's bike did. Now keep also in mind, Greg, he was the lone Yamaha there. I mean, we never got to see Rocco run with those front four guys. Mm-hmm. So you had what you had two Cowies and a Suzuki that he was running against. And, you know, Yamaha was so dominant in this class for so many years and his bike ran great, but it never looked like he had that edge to really draft. Like, especially when he got to like fifth gear, right? Yeah. Like like the fifth gear and then the sixth gear, he would lose like a bike length. It wasn't like he was just getting smoked, but he didn't have the ability to just stay in the draft and then make a move. It was going to have to be a big move. It was going to have to be a big move. And, And that's, I think what he was trying to maybe... You know, I think he was just trying to stay away from that big move uh, and mm-hmm. not make a mistake. And then the second day he had a slide off and it's such an interesting way of crashing to me. And Raj and I have talked about it uh, and some of the other writers and I've talked about it. Not really. It's a, it's a very strange way of low siding, how Ben loses the rear like that. We saw him do it out of the last corner at um, Atlanta and save it. It looked like he was a stunt rider. Um, but it was too bad to see him fall over in the second race. It would have been good to see two solid races, but still you got to feel like it was a big improvement for him that got that first sip of that champagne on the podium where he belongs. And, uh, I don't think that this is going to be the last that we see him there And our junior cup, Greg, again, we've got a kind of a funny season going on because mm-hmm. I believe now we've had, um, uh, three different winners already in two rounds, uh, in day one. Ben Gladi, he took advantage of basically he won in Atlanta in that second race and he rolled right into VIR and he comes out and wins the first one in what was so hotly contested, Greg. How about the first nine guys within 2.6 seconds of each other? So good. I mean, and the last lap was insane. Cody Wyman's leading going up into turn 10. He really didn't want to lead. And all these guys behind him are checking up where if he had just kept his head down, you know, would he have fin- would he have won? Maybe not, but he my probably would have been on the podium instead he ended up fourth sandwich in between glotty and cody wyman was david kolstadt seen him on the podium now twice this year tyler scott our points i believe our points leader coming in um he ended up third in this race uh gus rodeo ends up fifth uh max van fins and uh, ends up sixth eli block seventh blake davis Aiden thou with i think his best result and for sure his best result as far as close to the leaders um, only 2.6 off. Uh, he went 37-0 in this race. Fastest lap of the race actually went to the guy in eighth place, I believe, which was Blake Davis at a 36-9-2-1. Uh, actually, 36-9-7-3 also from Tyler Scott. So, um, And then 10th was Avery Dreher, uh, Avery's first year with us. We saw him uh, get interviewed on our telecast. In race two, Cody Wyman kind of got a little redemption back from the day before. Ben Glotty does a great job getting himself in second. Maxwell Toth ends up third. Max Max ended up on the ground with Joe Lamandry the first day. Those guys both come back. Toth ends up third. Tyler Scott fourth. Lamandry does a really nice job ending up fifth. Uh, Max Van ends up sixth. Rodeo Blake Davis. Avery Dreyer again, top nine this time for him. And Chase Black ends up with the top 10. What are you taking away from Junior Cup right now? 
we just have a talented bunch of people because VIR is not, uh, you know, it's, it's not, not technical, right? Like it's, it's, it's a racer's racetrack without question. Yeah. So you had Cody Wyman, Glotty, Toth, Tyler Scott, Joe LaMandry, you had the arrival of Max Van, but you also had Jack Roach and David Colstead who DNF that race that were also doing competitive, you know, lap times like 36s, as did Gus Rodeo and Blake Davis. So, you know, you look at that and you go, yeah, I, I mean, th I don't think there's a question that we have right now 10 riders at the yeah. moment that can go out and win a race. And there's going to be 10 riders that are going to be in contention to win this thing at Road America. The only thing that I see at Road America that's going to trip people up in this class is if someone does something silly on one of those shorter straightaways and creates a gap and they're not, a and, you know, if you have a two or three riders, you know, that yeah. start to take off and then you have a pack of five that had messed each other up or someone loses the front and saves it. And, you know, beyond that, I, I don't see why we don't have 10, 11 riders. I mean, yeah. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll do a quick little shout out because Owen Williams is going to be, he turned 14 at VIR. Mm -hmm. did, did you get any cake and pizza and all that? Did you didn't no, get down there? No, no, no. I didn't get down there. No. Didn't I mean, and that had me written all over it. Yeah, I mean, cake and pizza. I mean, that's just cheap I mean, all you know, day. Yeah, I but mean, you're Owen, on your diet and everything, you know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Seafood diet, everything I see. But it's it's Owen. You know, not a big fan. Kid's bit he's a bit cocky. Yeah, he's you know, got not his, very yeah, friendly. He talks a lot, and he's just yeah. he's really loud. Yeah, he's very loud. Kid. Very <laughs> no, loud. he's he's awesome. He's awesome. And uh, but they're excited about getting down uh, to Road America for sure. And and I think that with his size and his experience and what I've even seen from him out here on the West coast at this track, I don't think that there's a better track to go to for your first race than road America, to be honest with you, because if you could be within a second or two in qualifying, you're going to be in that lead draft. You're going to get to taste it and see what it feels like. So even at 14, I think it's going to be good for him. So he'll be teaming up with Aiden Thal. That'll be fun. We've got a really competitive class. We got the emergence of Cody Wyman. Finally, we saw him on the R3 uh, the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, now he's jumped on this Kawasaki and really what he talked about, you know, in, even in, in post-race was just not overthinking things so much. You know, when he gets down to the last lap, it's kind of every man for himself. You got to kind of make a plan, whether it works or whether it doesn't, you got to stick with it. And I think the first day, had he stuck with kind of the plan of what he was doing, I, I there was a good chance he could have, you know, been on the podium that first day as well. But, um, you know, looking at it, you know, just from a perspective of points right now, when you look at it after round two, you got... Glotty, Tyler Scott, and Cody Wyman, um, all first, second, and third. So uh, we'll roll on to Road America. I think it's going to be some good racing there in that class. Greg, when you look at the class, it's probably for me this year, maybe the most intriguing class that we have as far as competition. Um, and I mm -hmm. say that, but probably the class with the biggest disparity in lap times from first to you know, whoever's qualifying kind of at the back um, where our biggest class so far, the first two rounds has been ready. Are you ready for me? Greg stock 1000 at a boy. You probably read it right uh, off a piece of paper, but I didn't, at least... actually I couldn't get it up quick enough. And then, yeah, like uh, and, that's a, no, not the first I, time you've yeah, said that. I was going to say, we don't want to go. There's a pun there, <laughs> um, but hey stock, now, hey stock now. 1000 this year has been so fun and so good to watch. And Greg, after race two, on Sunday, we officially have had four different winners in the stock 1000 class this year. And, you know, we've had um, two Kawasaki's win. We've had a Suzuki win and we've had a BMW win. And we know that there's some Hondas in there capable as well. 
But the first day on Saturday, I don't think anybody was, uh, you know, everybody in the paddock was pumped to see Jake Lewis get his first win in what was, what, since 2017, I think he said? Correct. Been a while. Jake Lewis gets out on top. He, he barely beats Corey Alexander by just under a second. Both these guys got to know each other pretty well over the weekend. A lot of mutual <laughs> respect, tons of mutual respect between the two. Jeff May ends up third. Michael Gilbert ends up fourth just off the podium, although some five seconds back. Andrew Lee ends up fifth. Gerardo ends up sixth. Travis Wyman, Wyatt Ferris, Ashton Yates, and, Fer- and Armando Ferrer end up 10th. Um, that first race that day, it, it, when you watch it back, um, Jake and Corey are the two tallest guys out there. I mean, they're creating big, big kind of holes for everybody to kind of go through. But they just kind of took it among themselves the, the last couple of laps of that race, and Jake was able to hold on. Hmm. I didn't actually get to see that race. I only saw the end of it, and I was yeah. just really pumped to see Jake Lewis win it. And I know Corey was right there as well. And, you know, a lot of work to get Corey on that motorcycle. There's no doubt. I mean, that's yeah. why he came both on a trailer. Both, for, yeah. Yeah, oh, you know, yeah, that's right. Yeah. He they destroyed it. it. They had to rebuild it. And, you know, they, they didn't get to test the new Kawasaki ZX-10RR. So, so amazing job. Um, you know, of course, Jake Lewis riding for the Altus. But, you know, and Jeff May in third was also great to – see him do that on that cbr 1000 rr dash r it was it was great r r r r no, r no and i mean in race two so far race of the year for me in the sense of the battling the mutual respect the hard racing really really hard racing at the front um but also there, <laughs> there was definitely a little bit of give and take the last lap of the race jake lewis was giving Corey everything he could handle um and they went into turn 10 which is awful tight in its own right jake got up underneath uh, Corey, and it would have been really easy for Jake to just kind of keep running Corey, you know, all the way off. And, and Corey just kind of leaned on Jake. There's some great photos from it. And Corey ends up winning the race by 0.047 seconds. My phone was blowing up after it, just about how good the racing was. Michael Gilbert ends up less than a second behind those two guys. So the top three were less than a second apart. Jeff May ends up fourth. Wyman ends up fifth. Danella Lewis ends up sixth. Yates, Lee, Gerardo, and Hunter Dunham. Good to see Hunter. Hunter was up there at the beginning of that race on the first day and slid off, but he ends up getting, a, I think it's his first top 10 of the year. Mm-hmm. So good, good to see Hunter Dunham. But I mean, when you look at this class, I mean, it's, I think Cam Peterson, it's really cool that Cam did what he did last year. And I think a lot of these guys saw that Cam got a job based off of winning this championship. And it's got to be a little extra motivation for him. I mean, why wouldn't it be really? Right. I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting kind of a situation we have right now, because normally you're looking at the super sport class and you go, okay, who's going to make it into Superbike? But now you have kind of two, two pools of people to pull Correct. from. And so the question becomes now, how many rides are there going to be next year? You know, and, yeah. and, and what kind of bikes and all this kind of stuff. So you're, you're looking at, I mean, I, I have to say, you know, the, the Jake Lewis has the championship now by seven points and yeah. Michael Gilbert had the championship lead coming in here. And what really hurt him, obviously, was just scoring 13 points in race number two. But nonetheless, Gilbert's really impressed, I think, this year. So is Jake Lewis. Shocked to see Travis Wyman. I thought he was going to run kind of the way he ran at Road Atlanta here. Instead, he was kind of back. Corey's- he had a little bit of an off weekend. And I think that everybody in this class is going to have that. You know, I mean. Well, yeah. I mean, if you if you look at it, you know, so far. I mean, Lewis has, you know, scored 13 points, 13 points. So it's that fourth place. The yeah. fourth place for so he goes fourth, win second, 
You know, you have Michael Gilbert who went win. Then he only scored 10 points. Yeah, he had, he had issues in the second race. Second race, I, right? I, like, yes. so, yeah, you know, Corey Alexander, obviously, he only scores 13 points out of Road Atlanta. He comes to VIR and he walks away with 45 points. Yes. So, yeah, you know, so far, if you look at it in the top five, everybody's already had a weekend. So now the question becomes, can you not have those the rest of the year? And who's going to really, I, I don't see anybody dominating stock thousand at this point. Yeah. You know what I, I don't, the, the cream will rise to the top of that. It's funny looking at Jeff Bay in fifth. It just like, I feel like he's let, I feel like he's led a lot of races and he's, he's been up at the front. It's weird to see him in fifth in the point standings. But, you know, I think when you look at it, um, this class, it, it's, it's a lot deeper than it's been. Andrew Lee right now in seventh. I mean, you got two Hondas fifth and sixth. Mm-hmm. And I actually expected more from, from Ashton Yates at VIR. I think if I was, I, I, I don't like to use the word disappointed, but I was surprised. I thought Ashton Yates was going to be right there at VIR. I just felt like it was a track that was good for him in my own mind. That's what I was thinking. And to see him kind of struggling a little bit was surprising to me. And then Andrew Lee's on a completely new team. Um, he's, they're going through stuff. They're like going through growing pains of what a new team does. And he just continues to get better. And his last run on Sunday in Superbike. This is a two-time, you know, former champion of this class. His last run in Superbike on the second day, they had really found something. And Corey Alexander only beat him to the line by a second in the Superbike Cup race. So there's a lot of good things. Now, Greg, one of the things I want to talk about is it's as big as this class is. I love the fact that this class is big. I love that we get a lot of people. But, man, the discrepancy between first and the last qualifier is too big. Yeah, especially at a small track like too big. like VIR. I mean, it's... we got these guys getting lapped on lap eight of these mm-hmm. races. And look, it, you know, I know. I mean, I'm talking to one of the greatest, you know, backmarkers of all time. Uh, you know, <laughs> did I say that out loud? I did. Is that? No, but... Can we put that on a T-shirt, please? <laughs> no, but I mean, one of the, the greatest backmarkers that... of all time. I'm sorry, that was mean. That was mean. I I, I took a stab. That's uh, fine. But when you look at this, you, you go 26-2 for Jake Lewis in qualifying, all right? Mm-hmm. And we go all the way back, and we got guys going 10 seconds off the pace. 10 yeah. seconds is, is a huge disparity. And when you're out there, three seconds off the pace looks like a lot. Um, it's not, obviously. But, man, when you start going 8, 9, 10 seconds slower, um, especially at a track like this, getting lapped on, like, lap 8 and stuff, to me, it – it takes away from it a little bit. So if Jake did a, so that's 110%. Uh, the the rule is it's 110% in stock thousand. If you don't reach 110% in qualifying, you can go back. And if you're in 110% of the fastest lap in any session, you can get a provisional start. Yeah. So I, I think that, um, you know, Moto here's America. The problem. Here's the problem, Greg. Okay. And you know this better than I do or yeah. as much as I do. Yeah. These guys are capable of going out and doing 26s every lap. Yeah, and I understand that. And 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 the yeah, those other riders. The other guys the back, that are qualifying further back, they're doing that one time, and they're usually two seconds a lap off that in the race. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like in race number one, the slowest, fastest lap of the race was a 35-2. The fastest lap of the race was what 26-5. So that's that's a nine, you know, about a nine second difference there, a little bit it's, less than that. And that that's pretty scary. But Especially, you know, America looking at it, that's the good part. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Okay. You go back to 2015, 16, Moto America takes over. They're trying to create something. People, 
you know, hadn't been really into racing on both sides, the fans and the riders, you know, you, you want to let people in, you, you want to fill these grids a little bit, but we're at the point now where we had what, let's see, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 32, I think, um, 32 qualifiers for the race. So, yeah, I, you and know, more people trying to qualify. So yeah, a track and like this, it just makes it hard to a get track like this. I, you know, I think that you get to road America. It's a, it's a little bit of a different situation yep, because you're not, different. you're not going to run into lap as much lap traffic and you probably won't run into lap traffic until maybe three laps to go. Now with what that happens when you go to a place like the Ridge, I know, but hold on, hold on. I, I need to say this because, you know, for the record, <clears throat> I never got lapped at Road America ever. <laughs> thanks for <laughs> thanks for that. Even Checks in four even in Formula even in Formula Extreme, <laughs> when I was on a 750 Super Sport uh, bike, and I every you. you know, and the, and and people were on big big fast motorcycles like you oh, and your Suzuki God. 1000, never you got lapped. A, you're a beauty. You are an absolute beauty. I'm G-dub. just saying. Thanks just, for that. I thought you were coming out with some stat that I interrupted you on, and you come out with that. So that's beautiful. Um, no, but we are no, doing and, this. And we look, are doing and, this on Zoom, and I think it gives us like one hour, and then it shuts off. So, like, yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out how that goes. Yeah, we'll just see how this goes. And Greg and I actually—it's funny because we're actually looking at each other while we're doing this. So it's—it's it's, we uh, haven't done that before. So the room's nice and dark. Pour. I can barely see anything but yeah, your nose. I know it's great, isn't it? Um, yeah. So let's go to the last class. And by the way, I'm not—I'm not shitbagging people. I'm just saying that it's like. To me, maybe we've got to look at some things as far as, you know, when you're going to, if you get 40 or 50 bikes out there in a practice session and you got guys going 10, 12, 14 seconds a lap off the pace. Um, Jay, that's, listen, that's big. It's been done before. Okay. Oh yeah. It's been Back going on in, for years. But what I'm saying is, is that um, as I remember correctly, there was 110%. Then yep. in Superbike there was 108 and there was too much traffic in Superbike. So you know, um, they, they dropped that down to 107%. So, yeah. you know, and maybe there, maybe there's an opportunity for Moto America to look at that and say, okay, yeah. stock thousand and uh super bike are going to be 108. You know, you know what's so, incredible about what you said though earlier, do you remember when stock thousand started, there was eight, there was eight riders and most yeah. of the time there was eight riders and there was only two of them really doing the full series. And now you look at it and it's really become an absolute hotbed. So stock thousand for me is, is kind of the class to watch and uh, because it's just fun. It's just, it's, there's so many different brands of bikes and, uh, and, and levels of riders. And now we've got four different winners. I mean, how many different winners are we going to see this year? So it's going to be fun just to see how that all plays out now in twins in the twins cup class. Um, again, it's another class that is going to be hotly contested. And on the first day, Teague Hobbs wins again, he wins uh, as he did in Atlanta and he ends up beating uh, Jackson Blackman. Great to see Jackson back on uh, in the, on the grid. He was hurt in Atlanta, Greg. That's why he didn't make it there. Um, but he ends up only losing by two tenths of a second. Chris Parrish, one for the old guys. He ends up third. Really neat Love to see it. him up there. It was great. He went to thank his sponsors. He's like, well, I you know I got I guess I got to thank myself. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, that was pretty funny, <laughs> right? Hayden yeah. Schultz and Caleb DeCrail end up fourth and fifth on that new Aprilia. So again, we're seeing this where. Everybody's like, oh, the Aprilia is going to kill everything. Well, we had two Suzukis and a Yamaha on the podium. Aprilia ends up fourth and fifth. Trevor Standish ends up sixth. Toby Kamsuk, seventh. Jody Berry uh, had something going on with his bike and, and ended up eighth in that race. Ethan Cook, Liam McDonald end up rounding out your top 10. And then really the second day was, you know, Jody Berry. Jody Berry came out, kind of raced the way we expected him the first day, but he had a problem. 
he comes out and finally wins. Um, if you remember, he was part of that big accident and to no fault of his own at road Atlanta in race two. Um, he ends up winning the second race. Uh, Jackson Blackman, again, barely, barely doesn't win this race. Caleb DeGrail. <laughs> yeah. I think in third, like his right? losses added up together, like point four or something. Yeah. Yeah. Point four. Like yeah, point yeah four, so point Jackson's three, right there. Um, and then we have T Cobb's fourth in this one. Standish, Schultz, Chris Parrish, Cam Sook, Liam McDonald, and Ethan Cook round out the top 10. Again, Greg, this is another class that we're, I think that we're going to see multiple winners in. It's going to be ultra competitive throughout the season. And um, when you look at the championship point standings in this one right now, Teague Hobbs leads by nine points over Standish, 10 points over Jody Berry, 11 points over Caleb DeCrail, 12 points over Chris Parrish. So the top five are literally separated by 12 points. And Jackson Blackman in his first two rounds, he comes out and scores 40 points. He's already within a race win, 25 points. That would be of, of, um, of the championship. So he's still right in the thick of this as well. So twins cup, again, I think a class that when we started it three, four years ago, it was kind of like a, it was kind of like one of those deals where we're going to just supposed to be like kind of a builder class, correct. a place, you know, to come racing for yep. people that wanted to experiment on a cheaper level. And, but now it's like, ultra competitive you have aprilia with a new bike yamaha announced their r7 the question becomes is that bike going to be legal for i was going to ask you well i mean you know the somebody brought up the fact that if you look at the way yamaha's building the r7 so it's based off of the current you know bike the mt07 or whatever that they're racing now the difference is the r7 comes with the same frame but it's braced but it's braced from the factory so it's stock like that. And then it's got all kinds of neat bits and pieces, some stuff from the R6, some stuff not. But anyway, it comes with bits and pieces. So, you know, when that bike rolls out, I w- I'm actually going to have a chance to ride that bike in about two and a half weeks. So Great. I will, I'll give you the report on that. Um, and so it, it should be kind of fun. I'll be able to ride that at, at Brainerd yeah. uh, in a couple weeks. But anyway, so, you know, you, you look at that and you go, wait a second, you know, is Twins Cup? the trial run for what super sport is eventually going to fade away because manufacturers, you know, the, the R6 not being made anymore. The, the Kawasaki 636 is there's no end in sight for that. But if you look at the 636, that's a $9,999 motorcycle. And that's kind of the price point of where the R7 is coming in. Yeah. And, you know, part of the reason why Yamaha gets rid of the R6 Jason is because they couldn't drop that price $2,400. Cause it's like 12, four or 12, six or something like yeah. that. Yeah, because they're too far down the rabbit hole with electronics, throttle by wire, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and, and then I just have to make a comment. Like if you're belly aching over the name R7, like the consumer why? does, the consumer why doesn't care. Be, why uh, people are calling it sacrilegious and all kinds of stuff. Like it was 500 of those things made in 1999. I'm so glad I don't listen to all that shit. I take just a don't deep, care. Take people a deep bitch about everything. Good. Couldn't care less. Oh, uh, so. it's, 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 to me, it's really funny watching it all unfold. It's like, how dare they? It's like, I don't know, because they're Yamaha and they're the ones who created R7. They can to do whatever with. they want. Yeah, do whatever they want, whatever. Anyway. But people bitch about everything. Yeah, they definitely do. But oh, what are you including do? us not getting on with it. So that's Moto America. We're going to review Road America in more detail next week. But let's move on now, Jay, because, whoops, as I completely just yanked my headphones right out of my thingy. Boy. That was that a boy. Yeah, you should hear me now. You got me now? I got you. Oh, there we go. All right, so let's get on to World Superbike because World Superbike has some <laughs> racing going on in absolutely crazy, a crazy weekend as it relates to weather. But yeah. picking up right where he left off last year in terms of the championship, Johnny Ray ends up winning. 
by 3.9 seconds in race number one on the new Kawasaki ZX-10RR. Behind him, props to his teammate Alex Lowe's, who put himself in a nice solid second place and was running with Johnny right there for a good bit. Rascott Lioglu on the Yamaha ends up in third. Scott Redding in fourth. Chaz Davis now on the privateer Ducati in fifth. Tom Sykes on the BMW. Rinaldi Haslam, Gerloff in ninth. Locatelli in 10th place. And Vandemark in 11th. Moving on to race number two, which, of course, is the Super Bowl race. Ray wins again by three and a half seconds over Lowe's. They do the double. And then Garrett Gerloff. On a good run for him and a tire choice, ends up five seconds back in third. Davis, Vandemark, Rasgatliagalu, Batista, Redding in eighth, Nazani in ninth, and Haslam in tenth. And then as we move on to the final race, Scott Redding ends up winning, Jason, on a tire choice and skill, but on a tire choice, 9.856 seconds over Johnny Ray, who was involved in an incident with Garrett Gerloff early on in the race as he was leading. Lowe's again, right behind him, Sykes, Vandemark, Rasgatliagalu, Gerloff in seventh. Fulgert, Locatelli, and Lucas Mayas. Now, Jason. Hmm. That's a lot. It's a lot to process, but Yeah, it's a lot. When we look at, you know, when we look at how thing, you know, how things so so Ray leads Lowe's by 12 points this championship. Reading is only five points back. So that's that. But when we get to Sunday in Aragon, it is just that like stressful. It's wet, it's dry. They have a choice of full slicks, intermediates, or full reins. Choices are made all over the place. Moves are made. What's your take on the race weekend? Take us through it. Wow. Boy, that's a loaded question. There, you know, you could do a podcast just on this, and I haven't got to listen to Steve English this week. So uh sadly because I've just been busy. But you know, when you look at it, it's it's just truly incredible how good Johnny Ray is to me. Like he came out on Saturday and it was just a defiant win. Like there was, yeah, I mean, it was, it's, it's, it's crazy because when you look at the actual result, you know, he ends up beating his teammate by like four seconds. I think he beat Lowe's, mm-hmm. but Alex was right there the whole time. Alex pretty much ran there the whole time. He started to suffer some from, from some front tire stuff. And, um, and it actually it was a little bit, yeah. Was it Greg? I'm, yeah, I get my races all mixed up, but yeah, it was four seconds. Ra- four seconds. Yeah, race yeah. one was the dry race. Race yeah, yeah. one and was that, Saturday. And that was the dry one, race. but yeah. that was the one that it was like you know it was great to see Alex there. I I I think that if most people would have picked a podium, they'd have gone like you know Ray Redding, Top Rack, or Davis or something. So for Alex to finish second to his teammate as close as he was and run with him for as long as he did, I thought was really good. Plus, got- plus he fell back into the clutches of Rascaliago and Redding. And then he raced those guys too. Like after basically yeah. it sounded like if he kept trying to go Johnny's pace, it would have been curtains. Like he'd have, he'd have kept going back further when those guys caught him. So he mm. chose to kind of go back with them and then race with them. And then when you look at that super pole race, Greg, it really started there kind of the weird weather because it was kind of that half wet, half dry. What tires do we go on? Ray and Lowe's had never even ridden on an intermediate tire. So they were, you know, they were out there doing that. And it, again, it's four seconds. And, and Gerloff just, I mean, all weekend long, I mean, when you look at Garrett Gerloff, he, he, he rode really, really, really well. And in this race for him to finish third, it was good. And it put him in a good spot for the start of the last one. The last one, what was funny was it hadn't started yet. And when I found out Redding was on slicks, I think I found that out on the warm-up lap. I forget who I was with. It might've been cold. Me. It was, me. was it you? Yeah. We were in the booth watching it. Yeah, and I'm like Redding's. It was lap. It was lap one. It was halfway through lap one. Yeah, it was halfway through lap one, 
And Reading was like, I don't even know, P7, P8. And you go, Reading's going to win yeah. this one. Yeah. Yeah, because I could see what the track was doing and being a rider in those conditions and taking a chance like that. And boy, unless it was going to rain again, I just didn't see anybody beating Reading. And, you know, Johnny always puts up a fight. and Lowe's was there, um, but Reading was coming. And But even before that happened, our guy Gerloff was just charging through everybody. Like it was like, get out of my way, everybody. I'm coming through. And where he chose to go up underneath Ray, um, it, he just got in there a little too deep. I almost think that when I heard him talking, it sounded like he missed his braking marker a little bit and put himself in a super compromising, awful position. Can't imagine the feeling in his stomach when he knew he was going to make contact with uh, with Johnny Ray there. Because you, know, you don't want to take Johnny Ray out. I mean, like... <laughs> no, you don't want to take anybody you know, out, but definitely not no, Johnny Ray. You don't want to take Johnny Ray out because it's just going to look like... And, and Garrett's had a couple little incidents over there that have brought the spotlight onto him about, uh, you know, but he's, he's young, he's aggressive, he's fighting. I mean, the kid picked And he did the right thing. Face. He went to winter circle oh, and they had yep. a conversation about it. And, well, <laughs> and honestly, post race, Johnny didn't seem to, Johnny didn't, he mentioned it, but he didn't like bury Garrett. He, yeah, it was, it was class move by Johnny. Yeah. But he didn't just go to winter circle, which is funny, right? He was the first independent writer. The kid picked the thing up out of the ground. Oh, that's right. He was. Yeah. He comes all the way back through the whole field. It finished seventh, and Johnny's like, "Hey, where'd you end up? Like, what'd you do?" He's like, "I finished seventh. And he's like, "Well, that's fair, you know, it's fair play to you, like, you know, like to go that fast." Um, Garrett was was incredible, and I think that's just some of that that youthful exuberance. But at the but, end but of the hold day, on. Let, let me say this: if you watch yeah, the yeah. World Supersport race, there are pa- there people make passes in that spot. It's not like Garrett. Oh no, you know, no, try exactly. to pass in a place that doesn't have passes, but Johnny just did the right thing. I mean, he held that line super tight because he knew, I'm sure he heard Gerloff back there and Gerloff just was way on the inside, like on the paint. So well, it was- look, I, I looked at it a little bit differently than you in that regard. Like it's very tight there when you go into there and there's kind of only not one line to go in, but if you're going to make a pass, you've got to be closer than what Garrett was mm-hmm. initially. Yeah, I see that. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so, and the thing is, Greg, the thing that kind of surprised me about the whole thing is that just the lap before he had been right behind Alex Lowe's. You go right and then left onto that back straightaway. And he was right behind Alex. He was able to draft the Kawasaki and pass Alex going into the last corner. I kind of expected Garrett to do that exact same thing for him to put himself in that compromising position. It's a rookie mistake kind of. And it was, it was just that it was just a mistake. And, and he put himself in a bad spot. I figured he was going to do to Johnny Ray what he did to Alex Lowe's just the lap before he was going to just draft him down that straightaway, go by him. He had pace. Obviously, he had pace. And arguably, he probably would have been on the podium had he just, you know, maybe just taken his time a little bit. Again, there was so much of the race ahead of him still. Yeah, and he he was on intermediates. Ray and Lowe's were on intermediates. But, And I think that's probably part of why Ray wasn't, like, over the moon upset because he ends up second, but it was really more or less a time gap at that point, meaning – Redding was going to win that race because he was on full slicks and Redding had the pace. I don't think if Ray had been knocked off the track. And oh, by the way, post-race, I know that sometimes you don't have time to listen to it, but post-race, what Ray said was pretty incredible. We talk about him being an incredible motorcycle rider. When Garrett came in there, he saw Garrett and he thought to himself, wow, he's in there really tight. And so then when Garrett crashed and hit him, his initial instinct was to get on the throttle and then he gets into the gravel trap and he just pinned it in the gravel trap. So he was trying to, as they collided, get away from the incident. And then he gets into the gravel trap with that extra speed 
and it was really deep and he he came out in the lead right he and he even said well that particular part of the racetrack the fastest way to go through there is through the gravel track <laughs> but he goes i figured that i would roll out of it and let two people pass me just for safety's sake because he didn't want to be penalized it's great that we see the same thing it's like how hard is it to just use your head and be smart and then leave no question it's like race control is going to look at that and go well that just eliminates us right like we don't have mm-hmm. to put anything across the board that oh right you know all the shit that we see with with we're investigating this and that trying to just did the smart thing there sorry i you know it, it just drives me nuts as you know but <laughs> but i think that when you look at it the one thing that i took away from looking at the whole weekend do you remember who won there last year uh didn't Chaz win ruben ronaldi ended up winning there last year right michael ruben ronaldi ended up doubling up i think at one of the rounds because i think they ran two there and the thing that's funny to me is that they made their decision pretty quickly then to you know bump Chaz and this and that ronaldi ends up 16th in this race um and, and his results for the weekend were seventh in race one um in the super pole race he ends up 11th in the last race he ends up 16th so when you look at what Chaz is and i was really bummed to see Chaz tip off and that's unfortunately it's what we see from Chaz sometimes at the beginning of the years but this one wasn't really his fault this one is just a weather yeah it was horrible conditions um he slid off there in the second race while running up there comfortably in the top five and wasn't able to kind of get going again um uh i, I you know I, I say that he did get going but he was obviously too far back. yeah he was he, a lap down he didn't he didn't factor into the points but mm-hmm. you know they're going to go to they're going to portamao or not portamao they're going to uh Estoril this weekend uh and it was a it was kind of a bad track for kawasaki last year it wasn't the best place um for them so we'll see how this new bike ends up and uh and go from there now did you watch Supersport? <laughs> i didn't watch race one but i watched race two. Oh my okay. god all right, so this is perfect. See, this is what we do, G-Dub. This is why we're good at what we're doing here because I didn't wa- I watched race two. I didn't get to see the end of it because I fell asleep because it was oh dark 30 where, where I was. But race one, okay, was insane as well. And I do know who won race two. But race one, when you when when I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, like, like I don't know how it was going to get too much crazier than that. With Odendahl goes on and wins his first race at Goethe, Odell ends up... Uh, Odell ends up third. And for some reason, I can't get race one. To, oh, here we go. Sorry, Greg. Race one does pull up. Um, the crazy part about this whole thing is I've gotten to, I, Jules Clazell has always been a guy that I've kind of like watched over there for some reason. And he always seems like he's always so close. He's won races. He's done things. Now he's on with the GMT 94 team, which is, which is great. Uh, he's teammates um, to, I think it's Caracasulo now, isn't he? Yeah. Caracasulo is now with GMT 94. But Cluzel, you got to go back and watch the first race because he's leading this race. and He's kind of pulling away. And Nico Tuli is catching him on the MV Augusta. Now, if you have followed Cluzel's career at all, he has extremely, extremely poor luck. And hmm. he got absolutely cleaned out last year and broke his tibia. He's had a horrendous leg injury on his left leg prior. So bad so that he shifts the bike on the right-hand side. But Greg, if you saw how bad Thule takes him out in this race while he's leading, he's out there by himself just doing his own thing and gets clobbered, which makes race two even more impressive, doesn't it? Oh, my dude. He was like 17 seconds back. Again, this Dead race last. was this race was a, a wet, dry, you know, kind of a situation. And so, you know, hats off to Bergman. Bergman gets out front and sets the pace with yep. Al- Alcoba. 
and they're both on wets and you yep. just kind of knew with about eight laps to go well they're sitting ducks you know yes. like it's a 15 lap race you can kind of see it and then that's what makes this thing kind of hard to follow cluzel comes marching through the field he ends up taking the lead and he starts to check out but all of a sudden odendahl who's also yep. So, so actually, Cluzel goes by Odendahl because Odendahl was in front of him. He reeled him in, and it looked like Cluzel was going to check out. Odendahl gets a second win. All of a sudden, they're racing. And then out of nowhere comes DeRosa, you know, <laughs> on a Kawasaki. He's moving up. You know, Sumer's in the mix, too. He's right there. And you're going, like, what happened? Like, how did this yep. race even become this race? Like, Insane. this guy was 17 seconds back. The other guy was five seconds back. You know what I mean? Like, it, was, it wasn't like it was, like, some phenomenal like passing lap like lap it it's an amazing race because the top three four sorry end up four tenths of a second within each other the the margin of victory is point one zero zero owned all over DeRosa. Cluzel ends up holding off Sumer and Agurda uh Bergman Alcoba those two guys Takala ends up eighth best finish uh Krumenacher yep. and then um Pratama, yeah well, Maria Herrera ends up 13th, which was great as well. I think but she finished 12th the day before, didn't she? Like, didn't yeah. she like put two solid point stories uh, together? Yeah, she ended up 12th the day before, which, which really, which really impressive. There's a class within a class. It's the ESS class, and I can't remember what it is, but there are like uh, seven riders categorized in that class. And so she won that on, uh, won that ESS class with inside a World Super Sport. Um, I don't know what it is. We'll have to ask Steve about it. We're going to get, he's going to, I was just going to say, you know what? He is going to absolutely tear us apart tomorrow in our text when he hears this thing. Cause he should be like, cause you know, I, I unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the, he's we not going to be able busy. to listen to the podcast. He's busy. Cause we're doing this oh, so late. Right. It's Friday. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't listen to this one. He'll, yeah. I hope he doesn't skip like, stay focused. Yeah, so leading, wanna... the, leading the points right now, Steven Odin all out of nowhere. Of course he's on that Evans brother 600, which yeah, they won the championship, championship last couple yeah. of years. So he's got a 50-point lead. I mean, Greg, he's got 50 points. Gertz has got 31. He's already got a 29-point lead in the championship, which is just insane after round one. DeRosa, if you remember, DeRosa's been on the NBA Augusta for the last few years. He's on the Kawasaki now. He's third in the points. Sumer and Bergman. I mean, there's just so much to look forward to in that class this year. So, again, it's kind of – it's uh, it's opened up. You know, that class has opened up. Locatelli dominated it last year. He was the guy. And, and now it's, you know, now – we're going to see who who steps up. Now, you're going to hate me for this. I didn't see one tiny little bit, not even a little bit. Of... Let's, let's skip it. World Super Sport? I didn't, yeah. I yeah, didn't see no, it. I did. Let, let's, we're going to ha- go ahead and skip that one just for time on this one. But yeah. uh, we'll take a look and see how that championship starts to work itself out on a weekend where we have Moto America and World Super Bike. Oh, the there's just weekend. so much going on. But I'll tell you this, Tom Boothamos from Great Britain is leading the points over Huertas and and... I didn't even know how to say your Rodri's that I guess it is, but mm. it's going to be another fun one to watch. Anna Carrasco did come back, which is good. She's seventh in the points. Now, obviously she's coming back from a big injury. So they're back at it this weekend in Estrell, all those, all those teams and classes and things. I mean, Greg, look this weekend, we got world Superbike at Estrell. We got Magello Moto GP. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like the one that, I mean, in the Tuscan Hills, baby. There's one, and there's no fans. How weird is that going to be? There's no fans. At that is what made that joint Mugello, Insane. right? Like for sure. Now the one but, thing, to, the one yeah. thing to look at, of course, is Ducati and the work that they put into Mugello and wanting to win that thing. Yeah. And the big question mark is, you know, the the outright speed record was set in MotoGP 
by Johan Zarco on you know the current spec Ducati at at Qatar at two hundred and twenty five point something. Yeah, and everybody wow. kind of talks about is Mugello faster because of the way you come onto the front straightaway and all that kind of stuff. So you know, I think Catalonia, Mugello, and and Qatar are pretty pretty darn close. So a lot of people are talking about that. You know, it's, it's gonna like be crazy when those I, guys are drafting and redrafting. Well, because dude you know like if you look at the talent ducati has if you look at jack miller on a roll right now is there anybody else in your head that you think on a yamaha on an aprilia on a suzuki that really has a chance to win mugello with that long straightaway just like feels it, like a ducati weekend doesn't it i mean i haven't checked the weather i haven't seen what it's going to be like as i haven't checked in Estoril either i i literally i'm just finally catching up with our week i mean i, I didn't fly home till tuesday Mm-hmm. So, and I got in Tuesday night. So I, that's one of the reasons I just haven't been able to go watch this stuff. And you know, what's crazy is even just now talking about this, I thought Cluzel won the second race because I saw him coming through the pack so hard and I just couldn't keep my eyes open. So, so I want to go back and watch that now as well. But I think going into this next weekend, it's going to be, can Ducati bounce back in world Superbike? I mean, it will Redding mm-hmm. be able to take, you know, his, his, his results were pretty dismal at Aragon with the exception of the win on the third, you know, the third race or second actual leg of the world Superbike, But that was kind of like you say, Greg, it was kind of a weather rain race in the dry. They, those guys were nowhere to really be kind of seen. So, you know, who's going to take the fight to Johnny Ray right now. That's what we've got to, that's what we got to see. I think I can see, isn't that where top rack top rack dominated there last year. Yeah. The, top uh, rack's really, really good. Really well around yeah. So it's going to be like a Yamaha weekend in Estoril and a Ducati weekend in Magello. I mean, if Lowe's can get his long distance runs figured out, I think Lowe's could could put 100%. up a good fight. There's yep. no question about it. I think, you know, Lowe's didn't look that impressive to me in the in the the kind of scattered testing that they did. He was fast, but not like, oh wow, he's you know doing what Cameron Bobier did or Jake Gagne did, you know, did the, uh, during the winter. But he's he's really shown plenty of speed. It's just a matter of getting that thing to last. He's a bit of a grinder, you know, Alex is just kind of a grinder in that, in that respect. And I think, uh, you know, he was just, he was grinding out those laps and, and, uh, you know, during testing and they came up with something at Aragon that worked really well for me. He had more feel, which was good. So 72 to 67 degrees and 40% chance of rain on Sunday for MotoGP. 72 and sunny on Friday, 72 and 40% chance of rain on Saturday. If the rain holds off at 67 degrees Fahrenheit, that's gonna that that oh my gosh fast speeds it's cool i mean oh my god the motor the motor is gonna gobble dude all that cool air it's it's gonna be incredible and then when you look at moto 2 moto 2 right now is unbelievable with ralph fernandez um you got obviously sam lowe's in there remy gardner's in there uh bedzecki's in there and of course don't forget joe roberts showed incredible pace at lamaba for his Mm tip-off i know cameron's going to be going back there and enjoying himself i mean moto 2 is going to be good and then we got this acosta kid in moto 3 um that tips off and still finishes seventh at lamaba which is amazing so there's a lot of great storylines world super sport at estoril i'm looking forward to our show you know obviously next week i'm going to get to stay home this weekend greg i'm so we'll be texting i get a weekend to kind of kind of chill well jason it's a good weekend to stay home because on next week's show obviously we're going to talk MotoGP gp and world superbike but pro motocross also starts up this week in california at fox raceway impala and american flat track returns to joliet illinois so i'm sure we're going to be talking about those race results as well because our boy jd beach leads the championship 
Can he hold on to the lead in the Premier Class Championship in AFT? What a drag that those guys go all the way to Dallas and got rained out last week. I mean, I know that's one of the bad things about dirt track too. Is it's like if it gets rained out, you're kind of hosed. I don't know. I mean, there's got to just be reasons, obviously, on control. Maybe they looked at the long weather forecast and it was going to rain on Monday too or Sunday or whatever their backup day could have been if they have that. But just such a shame. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to seeing obviously pro motocross and speaking of pro motocross. Mm-hmm. Our boy Jason Wigan did a good job. Yeah, he did really well. Did he, he did do a good really job? Well. And I know, I know you, you're not gonna say nothing, but I know you got him up to speed on some things. But he was like, he was sharp. He did a he did a really nice job, I thought. Jason is a hard worker. He went and bought Moto America Live Plus on his own to do research before the race. Now I will say this on the road racing side of things, Jason had a bit of a leg up because there was the possibility, as Jason does a lot of work for NBC that he was going to be doing some MotoGP stuff. So Jason, in the course of say the last 12 months, or maybe even before that, he he, he went back and watched like eight years worth of MotoGP races, wow. read 20 years worth of cycle news oh articles. Oh my god! Like he, Jason is not scared to work. And Stop. you give Jason Wygant a challenge and he just jumps all over it. So, you know, and he did come to Road Atlanta and he went two up, he got a two up ride on Friday from Chris Ulrich and the Dunlop program that they have going on there. And so, yeah, and, and Jason will be in the booth on Live Plus full-time for Road America, filling in for Robbie Floyd, who uh, has another commitment that weekend, but Robbie will be back. So Jason, you know, if you look at his schedule, like he's so promoto modeling. starts, right? And then he's got a week off. And Is it's he like- promoto this week? He's at promoto this week, and then he goes to Road America the following week? Then on the middle of the week, I think on Tuesdays, I think he commentates American Flat Track for NBC as well. Oh so my he, God. He's yeah, he's slammed. he's working. Yeah, he's working. But good dude, he, man. I've I've watched this stuff for years. I never got to really meet him in person. I think I might have met him once somewhere many 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 years ago. But um, but yeah, we, cool yeah. We we ended up Saturday night. Um, you know, when you stay at VIR, you can kind of go two different, three different ways to go to hotels, right? You go to the Danville area, you go back to Roxborough, North Carolina or you head towards South Boston. And when I was leaving on the motorcycle to go to my Airbnb towards South Boston, he ended up right in front of me. So I called him from the motorcycle, which he hadn't experienced before. He's like, I know that's Greg behind me, but how is so the phone funny. ringing? Like he was yeah, like yeah, freaking yeah. out. He's like, and so, you know, I have a Cardo system uh, that I use. And so I just called him up and hey Siri, call Jason Wygan. And uh, it turns out that at my Airbnb, there's a distillery that's on the property and on Friday nights they have a, it was Friday night, sorry. And they have a band and they have a food truck. So and so cool. I just said, Jay, you want to just stop? <laughs> and so we end up uh, having dinner together, sitting on a, a bench, just wrapping out. And I would say uh, to Jason's credit, he probably asked me, you know, 80, 85% of the time I was talking about road racing, you yeah. know? And then I would ask him some on the motocross side, but it was cool, Jay. Because I didn't we, even get to ask him anything about moto because there's all these big changes and stuff next, and we got to have him on the podcast. Yeah, for sure, and he's totally like totally down with that. So we got to get yeah, him on because get him on. We yeah. love racing, and we'll definitely watch. I mean, we're not doing any fantasy or anything, but I love watching pro moto, and I can't wait to hear all these changes. Like I, you know, how do you as a racer know that you're leaving Kawasaki at the end of this term and and still Pretty give wild. it 110? percent You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's I, it's it's interesting. All right, great. Check this out. You want to see something? Sure. Let's look ahead to this weekend in our race calendar, G-Dub, because, you know, we already know about MotoGP and World Superbike. Greg writes yeah. all this stuff, so I'm stealing his thunder right now. Saturday is Pro Moto. Saturday night is AFT and Joliet. Don't forget, because as you say, JD's leading the championship, so we got to be there for him. 
On the off-road side of things, AMA West Hair Scrambles is in Jacksonville, Oregon. AMA Extreme Championship Eastlands in Marquette. Was it Michigan, Greg? Yep, Michigan. So, so what's AMA Extreme Championship? That is the one where it used to be like some off-road championship that they, uh, yeah, it's just an off-road championship. I explained it a couple podcasts ago, but you don't listen to me. That's fine. What, who's this? What's that? What'd you say? Huh? Huh? Hey, everybody, thanks for sticking with us. Sorry we were a little late this week again. We had some technical difficulties Greg had to work through because I make him, it just sucks. I'm sorry you always have to do this. And now it's what time? I mean, it's 11.45 at night. You've been up all day. You've been podcasting. Because you didn't you do a couple other podcasts this week too? Yeah, I got to do an interview for 21 and 21 with uh, Bubba Schobert, number six in the Superbike uh, win. So cool. So Our, cool. uh, I love what camping. you've been doing with those guys and getting a chance to talk with them and getting some stories out of them. And yeah, it's been pretty cool. So I know you've been hard at it. It's 11.45 there. Say good night, Greg. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And we will try to bring you one on Wednesday next week. We, we promise we will try. <laughs> That's yeah. all we could do. Bye. Later. <laughs>